Hey guys, have you checked out 336 Daily? Did you know that sometimes, in fact, pretty often, I've been recording it in my car while driving to different job sites? That's how easy Anchor is to make podcasts. With Anchor, you can record your podcast and edit your podcast and upload your podcast all in the Anchor app, and then it makes sure it goes after iTunes and Spotify and wherever you need to put it. It, they take care of everything, distribution. They help you with advertising and getting in commercials. Check out the Anchor app. Go to the App Store and download the Anchor app for free or go to anchor.fm to check it out. For fans, by fans. Section 336, the next generation of Baltimore sports talk. Today on the show, Matt is still in Africa without internet. Bert is at a camp somewhere in Maryland where he tells me there's kids, but I haven't seen any proof. So instead, I'm joined by Corey from Oda Anthem and Ryan from Utah Street Report and the Backward K podcast. And we're going to talk the All-Star Game, the Orioles season in general, as well as some trades that we'd like to see the Orioles make in the next couple of weeks. All this and a little bit more on Section 336. Welcome to 336, section 336, a little odd without Matt and Bert here. Matt is still in Africa, as we've talked many times. Bert is this week at summer camp, where he says that he's a counselor for a bunch of kids, but according to his Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, I see a lot of pictures of him. (laughs) (laughs) And no kids. He's on Orange Team, Team Orange, apparently. Mm -hmm. So, with us, me, in place of those guys, got some great guests to fill in. We've got Corey Baker from Oh the Anthem. How's it going, guys? That's a podcast you guys should be listening to, especially if you like political talk and uh, current events. And yeah, I'm I'm actually like really excited to have an opportunity to just talk baseball for like a little <laughs> while and like sort of avoid all the horribleness in the world. Like it was a nice little escape. Yeah, I was a little nervous. I've been listening to Oh the Anthem past few weeks. There's been no sports talk. <sighs> too too much stuff has been happening. That's the problem. All right, and then we're also joined by Ryan Blake from the Backwards Backward <laughs> K podcast, no S there, who has their podcast has talked as much sports as the anthem in the past couple months. <laughs> I know we've we've been inactive for a while. We just made our grand return uh, a couple weeks ago. We're now on baseballfam.com. Uh, so we're my co-host Danny and I are really excited for that opportunity. But uh, yeah, ready to talk some baseball. We were inactive for I think like three or four months. But we're finally back in the right. game. We're trying to get in the routine. Both of you guys were out here at the beginning of the season for uh, Birdland Radio. And as we all did our shows all day. So it's only fitting that we're back together for the middle of the season. Yeah, yeah. but Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, I'm just saying. Uh, and hopefully we can have like a roundup during the World Series or something like that. We'll just get a whole bunch of Right, we'll do, we'll do a postseason party. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, um, Birdland Radio was so much fun. I wish I could have stayed longer. I was, I was really looking forward to Bert's game time. But uh, Danny and I had to run. We had, I think, baseball practice that day or something. But sure. It's always something. There's always something. Right. Well, I want to give you guys a chance to share more about your podcast and what's going on 
And uh, I know Corey's making all these movies, things, and stuff. But uh, we'll get to that a little later. First, I got to mention the intern because he actually showed up with, with Matt and Burton not around. I wasn't sure if he was going to bail on me. <laughs> I was considering it. I, I figured you were. Figured I hadn't heard from you in a few days. You might not be here. It's all right. He knows that one of these days with those guys gone, I'll invite him into this fourth mic. <laughs> right now, he's running the cameras, which I need him to do. So thank you, intern. I brought back your hat. Yeah, intern's got his orange cowboy hat back. I accidentally took it at the last live show. It's actually kind of fun, a funny story because I forgot I was wearing it. And uh, there was a, a cute waitress there. And, and Danny said to me, um, you have to get her number if you want to take the hat off. So I decided maybe I can try to use that as a pickup line and say, hey, see this ridiculous hat I'm wearing? I'm not allowed to take it off until I get your number. But I chickened out. I didn't even talk to her, <laughs> which is typical. I, hear, I, I see on your Twitter a lot of uh, I walked past a girl. Yeah. Without saying anything. Yeah, that's uh, that's a thing. So you still know, still working on that. I think it's so funny. Like I, I have no problem talking into a microphone, broadcast to the internet to potentially infinite number of people, and then if it's like go talk to that girl, it was always like, oh no, I yeah, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, need what a couple shots say? or something <laughs> to do that. I'm so bad at breaking the ice. Like once I break the ice, then I'm more comfortable. But like it's going up and saying hi that I just yeah. It shouldn't be the hardest part, but it is. I don't know. I'm glad I have a girlfriend and I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. There Just you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there is a baseball game going on today, and there are Orioles playing in the baseball game. Five of them. Five of them. So we got the All-Star game today. Let's start with the All-Star game. Do you guys care about the All-Star game? Danny mentioned this on our last podcast. Um, we care a little bit more, and I, I was I was with him on this. He brought it up, but I agreed. Uh, the Futures game is a little more exciting than the All-Star game just because of the fact that it's these young players who have a chance to showcase their skills, especially before the trade deadline, knowing that there are other teams who are going to have needs to fill. And he mentioned a guy like Andrew Benatendi of the Red Sox, who, you know, the Red Sox outfield is stacked and they're young. So they might not have room for him in the next couple of years. So Benatendi, you know, leading off at the Futures game, has a chance to show these other teams and other scouts, you know, this is what I'm capable of on this big stage, and maybe he can be a, an important trade piece. No. But the I'm going to contradict myself later in the podcast, but we'll just push that aside. Did you watch the Futures game? I did, actually. All right. I didn't expect that <laughs> answer because everyone's – that's what the nerds say is the future game. It's the future of baseball. But the future game is generally pretty lame. Yeah. The, well, the thing is I, I'm kind of getting more into prospects. Well, I work at Bowie as a bat boy with the Bay Sox. So I'm kind of getting more into prospects and minor leaguers. And uh, with Cisco in the in the future right. game, I wanted to see what he okay. did. And of course, he hits an opposite field home run, which was awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, Danny made a good point. He said that he he rattled off a list of names, and there were guys like Lindor and Syndergaard, and just ten or fifteen big names in baseball now who have been in the future sure. game just in the last two but, years. But why is the future game not better? Why is it bad minor league baseball instead of like the stars of minor league baseball? I mean, they they try to get as many of the stars as they can, but I mean. You know, it, it was World versus USA in the world. Ended up pulling away in the ninth. They won. I think it was like eleven to three. But uh, I don't know. I mean, it's. I feel like there's more riding on that than there is the All Star game. I know the All Star game counts for home field advantage, but the players don't care. If if the the managers and the players care, they'd have. You know, I don't know who's who's starting tonight for the National League. Uh, Cueto. Cueto. They would have Cueto going four or five innings tonight if if they actually were serious about you know we need to throw our best guys. Well, and uh, Madison Bumgarner guys would actually yeah. come and pitch. Yeah, exactly. And not only that, but they'd they'd uh, uh, spend a lot more time like thinking about how to construct the roster to win. Right. I mean, like you know, you can't do anything about the fan vote for like the starting lineup, but like 
you know, you would think a lot more about who you're going to bat lead off and like who you're going to be making switches with. I mean, the fact that Machado is going to start the game and play three innings is kind of like right. defeats the purpose. It's one of the best players in baseball. I don't know who else is third base for the American League, but is there anybody you would want besides Machado there, for instance? Like, Donaldson. Yeah, would be that'd be the argument. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, he's not American League anyway. That's Toronto. <laughs> we'll just call it the Canadian League. Let them have their own All Star. <laughs> Works for me. But uh, is he their only All Star? Mm, oh, they got Saunders no, in. No, they the final vote. Yeah. <clears throat> so Corey. What do you think about the whole concept of it counts? They added this a few years ago because of that's of the tie. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily mind that much because I mean, I feel like it, it does make the game more interesting to an extent. I, I used to just never care about the All Star game at all, and at least I care about the score at the end of it now, which is a step up from not caring at all. But I mean, I. I I just think it would be a shame if, uh, you know, the Cubs run away with the National League and say the, you know, uh, Orioles. Yeah, the Orioles are the second wild card and just sort of sleek by and then get to the World Series against the Cubs. It'd be a shame if the Cubs don't have World Series home field because sure. of yeah. I mean, it's just and right, and that's the irritating part is you hear Ned Yost today. I I, I like Ned Yost. I listened to him today talk about how important it is to win this game because. It, it, it they they learned last year how important it is to have that home run or that home field advantage, which then backs me with if if you're if it's that important to have home field advantage, why are you putting it on a stupid game that the players don't care about? Exactly. So, I, but baseball they, never changed that. Yeah, not until something happens. Mm-mm. And I mean, uh, there's a lot more. I, I think there's actually kind of an advantage for the American League in this anyway, just because. They play with a DH because nobody really wants to see the hitters or pitchers hit anyway. But you know, it it sort of decides what if we get a uh, seventh game that has a DH potentially, right? At the end of it, so I mean, I feel like if they're going to make it count, at the very least, they should. If they're going to switch off between American and National League parks too, they should switch off and on with the DH. But that's never going to happen either. So no, or. Or make one rule. Yeah. Either play league-wide, because part, part of also what makes the All-Star game not as good as it was when we were kids is that we have interleague play. So we see these guys all the time. Right. And well, and we have, plus not to mention we have baseball on TV all the time, and we can watch any game we want, where the, when we were kids, the All-Star game was, was players you never saw because they were in the National League. That's the other thing, because, I mean, like, I remember when I was a kid... I thought Ken Griffey Jr. was the best baseball player I'd ever seen. But I well, only he was. saw him if they were in, you know, games of the week or if it was... This week in baseball. This week in baseball or if they printing the Orioles. That was right. the only time I ever got to see Ken Griffey Jr. And then I saw the All-Star game. And, by the way, it's the anniversary of uh, Griffey hitting the warehouse today. Just is as an mm. FYI. Well, Trumbo um, became the first player to hit the scoreboard at Petco yesterday. <laughs> that was yeah. cool. It's going to be awkward, that plaque right in the middle of the scoreboard. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they might have to do something about that. Everyone's talking about, oh, I wonder if Giancarlo's going to hit it. And then Trumbo, what was it, like his first or second swing of the second round, plunks it off the scoreboard. Right, right. So, well, that's a good transition. Home run derby was last night. I, I did watch the home run derby. I I think that the home run derby now is way more entertaining than the All-Star game. I think so, too. 
I love the spectacle of, you know, they have all their teammates and fellow All-Stars on the side and they're cheering them on and holding up these signs and, and recording with their phones. And the players care. Yeah. They're actually cheering and actually trying to win. Exactly. You're, you don't see that tonight in the All-Star game. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot more fun. There's a lot more riding on it. You got guys like Adam Duvall who pop out out of nowhere wanting to put on a show. And there's always, you know, there's always that one guy who surprises. Last year, you know, Jock Peterson had a ridiculous round. This year, Seeger hit 15 before he was eliminated by Trumbo. Um, I mean, I guess that bodes you, well for the Dodgers. Do you like but, the new format, the four minutes? I like it. I like it a lot better. Yeah, I, th- I think um, the the old format I like to an extent because each swing mattered, but I think the the time is better because you know you have an opportunity to just get into a zone and all that. I, I love it. It's like a video game. It's you're not having guys take pitches all the time. But I've got a question about the format for you for that. I'm hoping you can answer, Ryan. All right. Since all right. you're the more. Uh, Baseball nerd, pay attention to the little things and Uh-oh. stats. <laughs> now go. if I get this wrong, I'm going to look back. So it's a, it's a four-minute clock, right? Right. And it, why from one pitch to the next pitch, you have to wait for the ball to land, right? Right. All right. So then when a guy like Trumbo that just hits huge bombs really high up, isn't that a, then a disadvantage to him, which is what allows a guy like Frazier who hits line drives to kind of sneak by? To an extent, I guess it is. Yeah, they were they were talking about that pregame with Stanton because he hits you know he hits moonshots, right. big arcing, towering fly balls, and so does Trumbo. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a disadvantage because like has someone gone? Th- I'm sure someone has done this, and I probably could have googled it earlier today. So maybe the internal Google it for me. But like, I wonder how many pitches. Yeah, uh, each player got. Well, some I saw someone yeah, on Twitter last know. night. I wasn't I wasn't paying too much attention. I was actually I I had it streaming on my phone. I was driving up to New Jersey with uh, with Danny, and uh, so we, we were streaming on the phone. I couldn't pay too much attention because I had to drive. But um, I I saw someone on Twitter complaining that uh, Jet Ruiz was not throwing. Um, he, he was kind of slowing down a little bit to Trumbo in the round against Stanton, and that 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 might have held him back a little bit. I didn't see it myself, so I'm not sure how accurate that is. But I, I would I think over the span of four minutes, you know, line drive versus fly ball, I don't think it, it would affect you too much. I think maybe at most a fly ball hitter could lose ten or fifteen seconds over the course of four minutes. As opposed to hitting which, line which, drives. Which could be three or four pitches. Yeah. That's Counterpoint true. too though, I mean, with Trumbo having the advantage of hitting longer uh home runs, he gets extra time for Hitting it over 450 or something like that? Uh, yeah, 440 or 450, I think it was. Two home runs over that. You so, I mean, like, a little recovery time. Yeah, I mean, like, Frazier isn't going to hit 440 line drives as much as Trumbo is with his with his moonshots. So, right. I mean, you know, there's a at least the, the thought that you'd get extra time at the end for those epic blasts. Yeah. Right. Well, I've That's been, a fair point. I've been pushing this for the... Uh, the for the what's the football star game the pro bowl. pro bowl i've been pushing this for many years for the pro bowl and i think baseball needs to do this too forget about the actual game and do more skills competitions let's see a home run derby type thing for pitchers uh, home, uh same type of thing for fielding and let's have fun with it and forget the actual game let's really show off who's the best at each position you know what i wouldn't mind i remember back in little league uh like one of the first drills we would run at the beginning of the season is the uh, two players line up at home plate and one goes clockwise and one goes counterclockwise around the bases. How much fun would it be to have like a Billy Hamilton and, you know, like uh, D Gordon, I guess, just for argument's sake, just racing around the yeah. bases in opposite directions. Or even even standard racing, but just clocking them from home home to home. Yeah. yeah. David Ortiz would lose, but <laughs> it'd be fun to watch. And I'd like to see more type of stuff like that 
So we can really isn't that always the fun stuff that comes out of spring training when you hear like two players are racing on the side or, oh, yeah. or if we have to do that though we got to get Cologne in on that race because that forty five <laughs> second home run trot he had earlier this season that ruined James Shields was well like, who who wins a trip around the bases Bartolo Cologne or JJ Hardy oh hey it's it's got to be JJ Hardy didn't, didn't JJ Hardy beat Scope in a race in Did the he? spring training I believe so wow um I, in fact why not a home run derby for the pitchers. And a pitching competition for the hitters. I, I mean, we have fun. fun with it. Make it entertaining. It's it's for television anyway. Buster Olney actually pitched a pretty interesting idea, which was uh, have like the pitchers piggyback in the home run derby. So there was a couple pitchers who had interest in competing in the home run derby. If uh, you start with Madison Bumgarner, if the pitcher spot advances, then you put in you know uh, Ariette after that, or and just keep going with the good hitting pitchers, and as long as that team of pitchers can keep advancing, then they stay in, you know? Yeah. Just a different round, a different pitcher. Or, just, or just their own challenge. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're, they're not going to beat Stanton. Yeah. No. I said last night on Twitter that uh, when Stanton already had, I think, 19 home runs going into his extra 30 seconds, I said, why not just have Jose Fernandez take the swings for him? <laughs> Jose Fernandez for 30 seconds to see how many he can add on. Did you guys see the ridiculous uh, promotion that the Marlins sent out, by the way? Yeah, they, oh my goodness. They said... Uh, Coming uh, back to bite him now. We're, we're going to celebrate uh, Stanton's run in the Home Run Derby by giving you 1% off tickets for every home run he hits. Uh, and then he hit 61 of them. So it was going to be 61% off any ticket at Marlins Park. And then they immediately sent out another email like explaining the fine print where it's like, uh, it's not all games. It's actually only this one game that you can get 61%. And yeah, I think they're the doing like... 25 or yeah. something like that. It's like... Marlins. Yeah, they, uh, they they back themselves into a corner there. <laughs> except except this now what every team does. I mean, every the Orioles did five dollars off for each round that Trumbo made it. Yeah, and they always every, there's always fine print saying, "Hey, we're only going to take a minimum maximum of fifteen twenty bucks off." Right. Well, I mean, for that, I mean, at least the Orioles probably thought ahead because there's only four possible rounds, so it's right. So only the potential of like twenty bucks at the end of the day. I think it's three rounds, right? Three rounds. Yeah, three oh, rounds. Three rounds. So format. fifteen bucks at the end of the day. Right, but I believe they did like the dollar thing last uh, when Machado was in it a few years ago. Yeah, and I believe there's always been a fine print like that. Mm-hmm. And of course, Dan goes out and hits sixty-one. <laughs> That's the way it goes. So speaking of Trumbo, it's a good <laughs> transition for me to mention our Trumbo T-shirts that we've been promoting a bunch online, and I got a whole box of them over there now. So we're ready to ship them out and got them all on sale for 15 bucks now for the uh, All-Star Week. And they're available at Mother's Peninsula Grill, which is the Arnold location. So they're being sold up there, and the intern happens to work there, so you can say hi to him. But I don't even know if he knows that they're being sold at, at <laughs> his place of work yet. Yeah. So go pick them up. We're there's, getting a nod. There's, uh, <laughs> there's some black versions there that are pretty cool. Yeah. So all right, you guys want to talk some Orioles? I mean, we've Let's been we've been talking about yeah. We, I think we've talked enough All-Star game. That's, I think so. That's, it, the game hasn't even started yet. They're still doing introductions. Not that there'll be anything to talk about unless there's a major injury. Right. Which, a major injury is kind of what we need in the All-Star game, so they'll rethink the All-Star game. That's true. So let's, uh, let's start with a little three up, three down. It's now time for three up and three down. All right. So the Orioles are 51 and 36, two games ahead of Boston and Toronto. Yet, pitching's been poor. It's been real bad. We've known that. But let's go with three up and three down. This is where we go around with three positive things 
and three negative things going on with the Orioles. So, why don't we start with you, Ryan? You got you want to share a positive thing with us? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start with my positive. I have Brad Brock down there. Um, the the back end of the bullpen has been a strength for the Orioles for a couple of years now, especially with Britain at the end and Brock this year. Obviously, you know he's in the All Star game. Uh, he's been I don't want to say a surprise, but he's been better than we expected. We knew he was good. We knew Givens was solid, and with O'Day and Britain in the eighth and ninth. Um, but but Brock has really stepped up, especially in the absence of Darren O'Day, and put together a really good campaign. He has a higher WAR this year than all of the other closers who made the All Star team. Uh, he's third in the Orioles in WAR behind only Manny Machado and Chris Tillman. Uh, so Brock's season has been incredible so far. I think he he certainly deserves this All Star bid, and uh, he's really provided a boost to that bullpen. Someone we can count on, especially in O'Day's absence. And I do want to point out that I noticed um, the one fault of Brock this year so far is giving up that walk-off home run to Edwin in Toronto. That was a, a decent pitch, I thought. it was. He was down 3-2, so you know he had to give him something to hit. It was a two-seamer that it might have been a splitter that came back and just hit the outside corner. It was a good spot. Edwin just put a really good swing on the ball. So even even the mistake, you couldn't really fault him too much. But he's Brad Brock is my positive. He's been, he's been outstanding this year. Plus this past week, he got back on Twitter at he Brad did. Brock. <laughs> Exciting to have him back. More Orioles need to be on Twitter. I'd love Machado and Scope. Scope has one, but he doesn't use it. He hasn't used it in like three years, I don't I feel think. feel like Machado had one at one point, too. And then he, did, he did when he was in the minors. Yeah. Once he got called up, he deleted it. Mm. I believe Machado's been posting on Instagram. That's what I see people share from Machado. They have a, he and his wife have a joint account on Instagram. It's like, I think it's at Machado's 13. Well, I don't like anyone that has joint accounts yeah. with their spouses in any social media. That mm. never seems like the right thing to do. No. So, yeah. Corey, what's going on with you? What's been standing out this week? Uh, I mean, I, I think year? that Jonathan Scope has just been exactly what the Orioles need. Um, I mean, obviously we have the, the regular, the stand guard stars, Machado and Davis and Jones and everything like that, but I mean, Jonathan Scope is very quietly hitting 300 with a lot of power, great defense, great arm. Uh, he's coming on a lot quicker than I thought he would do so after uh, a sort of up-and-down season last year. And uh, I went to the game this past Saturday with the Angels with my father and said something that, that really like has started to like stick with me a bit. Uh, given the number alone... How much does uh, Jonathan Scope remind you of Melvin Mora? Like, he's got that same sort of, like, 300-ish, you know, like, decent pop, good defense. Mora went very underrated for a long time. I mean, he his his uh, his window was a lot smaller, but uh, I think that I think that Scope has a chance to take this season and build upon it even more. And, I mean, I, I just can't. I, I, I want to build around Scope. Scope Machado, that's that's where my focus is right now as like an Orioles fan going forward. And the first half that he's put up so far has just had had me jumping through hoops, you know? Yeah. He's he's been great. And it is it is that's the future of this team is hopefully Machado and Scope and but because of that, because of them being the stars, those are the two guys that we're gonna have to start investing some money in and and getting those extensions on. Yeah, that's for sure. So my positive for this week is Chance Cisco. Because, just like Ryan said earlier, in the Futures game, he, he hit a home run, which is great because it 
gets his name out there. It gets people to pay attention to the fact that he's batting 307 for Bowie right now. And we need trade ships desperately. So if suddenly people know who Chan Cisco is, that increases his trade value. So that's my positive for this week. I'm with you there. I saw a funny tweet after uh, Cisco's home run. Drew Doche, who's the Bay Sox third baseman, uh, tweeted, you know, congrats on the home run. Maybe you should do that for us more often. Because Cisco has one home run on the year, and it just happened within the past week, I think. So uh, he has as many home runs as a part of the Futures team than he, as he does in the, as a member of the Bay Sox. Well, hopefully he's warming up. Yeah. Hopefully he'll set up for a good uh, second season mm-hmm. for wherever he ends up, yeah. whether he stays in Bowie or gets traded elsewhere. Yeah. Another thing I wonder about Cisco is if he'll end up switching positions because he's not that great of a defensive catcher. He's still working on that. He has a lot to improve upon there. But at the plate, he's so smooth. He's got a beautiful swing. He's comfortable. He spreads the ball across the field, hits a lot of line drives. So, uh, you know, you wonder. There are plenty of guys around baseball who started as catchers and move elsewhere. Josh Donaldson's a prime example, right. and he's now a gold glove third. Well, yeah, and, and the Orioles. Yeah. yeah. Right. The Orioles spend a lot of focus on catchers. They've yeah. got really good catchers at all their levels right now. They do. So it I think they sense. all made their respective all-star teams. Yeah. Um, Alex Murphy, who's a friend of the show, has been on a few times. He is a listed as a catcher at Delmarva, but they keep kind of forcing him, trying him out at first base. Yeah, uh, because they'd like to move him up, but Jonah Himes up in Frederick, and he's a, he's an excellent catcher, probably a little better than Alex. That, that would be why he's up there, right? Uh, so the Orioles have plenty of catchers, so I wouldn't be surprised to see any of these guys change positions, right? And they would certainly, you know, be names that could, you could float around in trade talks as well, especially Cisco now that he put on that show, right? I was worried about him though because I think the in the half inning before that. Uh, I think it was Moncada of the Red Sox stole second base, and Cisco's throw sailed into center field. So uh, he was off to a little bit of a rough start in that game, but I was I was glad he was able to rebound. So an- another stat that came out now that we're at the manufactured halfway point, because it's not statistically the halfway point, but everyone always treats the All-Star game as halfway of the season, is that the Orioles starters are 30th in total innings and 28th in starter ERA in all of baseball. Yeah. So there's plenty to be negative about. So, Ryan, what's your negative? Well, it's, it's funny you mention that because I actually I, I write this hot take series for Utah Street Report. And uh, my, my hot take for today was despite the pitching woes, we're still uh, legitimate contenders this year. Um, my negative for the year so far is Kevin Gosman. Uh, he, we we kind of came into the season with Gosman supposed to be that X factor. And he was kind of the make-or-break guy in that rotation to have a breakout year and really improve upon what he's capable of. He's the guy that's supposed to take the next step. Exactly. And to this point, he hasn't done so. He's 1-6, although he's pitched a little better than the record shows. I think the win-loss stat is virtually meaningless. It, you then know, why are you quoting it? Well, because I, I, I mean to say he's been a little better uh, than the record ma- How many show. times did he have no wins and we <laughs> kept saying, but he's one of the better pitchers on the staff? Right. And now you're going to try to tell me that he's <laughs> bad because he only has one win? No, no, no. I, I, I mean, he's, he's pitched a little better than his record would indicate. Uh, you know, he's got a, I think his ERA is 4.15, if I remember right. From yeah, it's 4.15. Yeah. Um, but with the rest of the rotation struggling, Tillman's had a great year, obviously. He was, you know, you could have made a case for him to make the all-star team. But Gosman was supposed to be the guy this year. And to this point, he hasn't done so. I still think he's capable. He needs to get an out pitch for right-handed hitters. His, uh, the split change that he uses work works really well against lefties. Uh, but he doesn't have that out pitch, and and so so many times this year, you know he'll have a it'll look like he's having a decent start, and then he'll serve up an O2 meatball, and it'll just be crushed into the bleachers. 
Uh, and we've seen that happen so many times this year. It just kills the momentum. Uh, so Gosman needs he needs some work. Uh, he's got to work on that breaking ball. Um, but so so he's my negative to this point. But in the article I wrote today, I mentioned that it, it really can't get much worse than it's been in in the starting pitching front. Um, Tillman, I, I would imagine, is due for at least a little bit of a regression. I still think he can pitch at a high level. I'm I'm not saying that the first half is a fluke by any means, but it can't get much worse than how bad. Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright and Ibaldo Jimenez and Giovanni Gallardo have been. Right. So Gall's been pitched to a 420 last season. Yeah. So he's at a 415 now, which is an improvement. Just not, I think, a big enough improvement for what we've been uh, led to believe we'd, de- we'd be seeing from him this season. Right. So I agree. Mm-hmm. So, Corey, how about you? Uh, I, I, I don't understand how any list of negatives for the first half can't include Ubaldo. And, you know, it's uh, the argument I was making – uh, when I was trying to come to terms with the Orioles signing them, uh, signing him is that every so often you're going to get a good start. You're going to get like that ace start, and it's going to feel worth it. And then every once in a while you're going to get the abysmal start. I just don't have any faith whatsoever that Ubaldo can have an ace start at any point. And I don't, even if he was throwing a perfect game through six innings, I wouldn't be confident in the seventh that the, the game would continue going on like that. I, I just, the, you know, the quick hook the other day shows that Buck is completely done. Like, he he, he came out of that dugout so quick. You think that was a quick hook? <laughs> One out in the second? I think that was a little late. I think that hook, I think Buck gave him as much time as he could. I, I think Buck was hoping that the... The second inning, he'd settle down. He, he let then, him give up four runs. Yeah, I know. But I mean, I, I, I just, I, I don't have any confidence when he has the ball in his hand. I it's mean, just, that, that's a game Friday night where we all went into. Of course, we all questioned why Ubaldo was even starting the game. Even our depth chart, we all knew it came down to Ubaldo or Mike Wright. Neither of those are good answers. Right. So he went with the veteran Ubaldo. Now, when you said he got when he got pulled out at the second inning, I was at the game. A lot of boos. How do you guys feel about booing your own team? Because I get torn. Because I can yeah. sit here and say that it's not right. We shouldn't be booing our own team. But I can't remember. But I may have been booing on Friday night. Because I think the boo was out of frustration that I didn't think he should be starting to begin with. I don't think he should have pitched as long as he pitched, that he should have been pulled after two runs. So. See, but I, I feel like, I, I guess just personally, I've always felt the cheer and the boo are very in, uh, indicative of, like, the situation that's happening. So, you know, if it's uh, we're down by two and bases loaded and Chris Davis comes up in the ninth and everyone's cheering their heads off, it's because we're cheering up the situation. You know, like, we're we're really excited about this opportunity right here in front of us. Uh, when Ubaldo gets lit and is leaving in the second inning and we're booing, we're not booing him personally as a person. We're not We're not saying, Ubaldo, you should be ashamed of yourself and any of that. He's just, we're saying this performance is worthy of a boo, and that's what we're giving you. And I think that uh, for the most part, other than opening day really with, with uh, Kim was the only one that, that really bothered me. But I mean, like for the most part, I feel like Oriole fans are pretty good with when they choose to boo their own players. Like it, there, there's certainly a reason for it. It doesn't just—it's not Philly. It doesn't just happen because. Yeah, I think those fans are, are better than most of the league in terms of you know, not booing your own guys. And I've, I, I'm torn on it, like you said, because 
I don't like to boo my own players, and I, I don't recall ever doing it in person. But I certainly understand the frustration. If there's anybody who deserves to be booed this year, I think it's certainly been Ubaldo. Who was our closer a few years ago that like blew three saves in the first like opening oh, series? Oh, Mike Gonzalez. Mike Gonzalez. Yeah. I definitely booed Mike Gonzalez on opening day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've I've booed like Ryan Flaherty for looking at strike <laughs> three. Like, yeah. but I mean that that comes from a very, you know, I I I specifically with Flaherty. I watch him all the time. I'm. I'm calling his at bat before it happens. Like every pitch before it goes, I'm like, oh, here's a curveball that he's going to swing wildly at. Here's strike three that's going to be right down the middle that he's going to look at. I mean, like it, it's it's so predictable. And when he when I'm outsmarting him, watching it from the couch, I, I just I feel like how how do you you need to be aware of the fact that this is not good, right? Like you can't just go to the dugout silently. Like you need some sort of like mm-hmm. and I, I acknowledgement. Know it's- with Ubaldo specifically, it's kind of a tired narrative at this point, but he is such a nice guy. I mean, I've I've had the pleasure of talking to him a couple of times, and he's he's a, a real a really nice guy. But sure, uh, you know, there's a yeah, there's the a point when when the baseball overtakes that, especially as fans of a team trying to compete. Well, it's and that's the re- that's part of the reason he's stuck around so long. Yeah. still is that the team loves him. He's a great teammate. He's good in the clubhouse. Uh, but as far as booing and cheering, I kind of feel like if you want people to cheer you, you also have to accept people to boo you. You yeah. can't get all one emotions. Mandy makes fun of me a lot because I say that the Orioles are either really good or they suck. There's no middle ground. Yeah. You're not it's, wrong. It's you're either good or bad. Said the exact same thing to my brother when talking about we're, we're I'm going out to San Francisco for the the Orioles series there, and I was like, it it's either the greatest feeling ever or it's the most infuriating right. thing. Right. There's no <laughs> middle ground. So therefore, if you want me to cheer, you've got to accept the negative as well. I have to deal with the bad Chris Davis to get the good Chris Davis. Exactly. You got to deal with the cheering for the booing. Mm-hmm. I would also, I would also make the argument that uh, you know, s- uh, sort of baseball in general, just as like a thing, is like good guys and bad guys. Like if you went to a movie and you saw, saw Die Hard, and like Alan Rickman's a bad guy, so like you know, if he was a baseball player, you would boo him. Just like, you know, like when Derek Jeter comes to the plate, I boo Jeter. Like, I don't care about him as a person away from the field. Except that would take, except that, going that route, your your whole team is your good guys. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's rooting about, it's rooting for, it's booing the one member of the X-Men that you don't like. Where, versus the Yankees being the bad guy. Well, I mean, like, I'd boo a, boo like a kid in a horror movie that fell down and made everyone come back and get him or something like that. He's supposed to be the good guy. All right, all right. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that analogy. Sure. All right. Well, my uh, speaking of guys falling down, I, my bad is the Kim injury. As Kim pulled like a high ham, he almost looked like a similar to a day's injury. It was something with his hamstring, right? He pulled something. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all saw it as he ran to first base and immediately didn't look right and got replaced quickly by Rickert. Uh, which is funny because that's what I've been calling for. At the beginning of the season, when Kim wasn't getting in the game, I was asking for them to bat Kim lead off for one at bat and then replace him with Rickard in the field immediately. <laughs> so I got to see a little bit of that in one game. So my bad is Kim because we don't know. And the fact that there's the All Star break, that, that's a good part because he has four days to rest. But also, it's the All Star break, so they don't talk to the media. So we have no clue what's going on and right. at what level of uh, that injury is, if it's something we need to be concerned about. I mean, before before the the team left for the break, Buck was sort of insinuating that it would be a day to day thing. 
But, I mean, hamstring injuries can be so, like, all over the map. Well, like, look at O'Day. O'Day's yeah. still out. Yeah. And that, that could have been all of our negatives because when O'Day comes back, that's a huge positive. But what every day he misses is a huge negative for this team. Yeah. Although it's nice to have my positive Brad Brock there to fill in for him. Though I would say, I mean, it, it's I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we should be happy that O'Day isn't here. But with O'Day on the on the DL, it has given the Orioles some uh, roster flexibility in the bullpen, yeah. which has been desperately needed with starters leaving games early. That's a good like point. Being able to like bring up Jason Garcia for two games just in case things get out of hand, like it's 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 kind of a blessing and a curse. But I mean, like obviously, I'd rather have O'Day, but right. you know, being able to 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 sort of makeshift the bullpen in the meantime has has been has been huge for Buck this first half. Yeah, but uh, but you don't want to makeshift the bullpen if you want. If you have O'Day, you don't need to makeshift because you have O'Day to fill that slot. Oh yeah, clearly. The, the, as much as I like Jason Garcia, I'd love to see him thrive with the Orioles, but I'd rather have O'Day there than than a mixture of uh, uh, Jason Garcia one day, Chaz Rowe another day, whoever uh, Ariel, whatever his name is, Miranda, I think. Yeah, yeah, all these guys coming up for like two days, and we went for that one string. Where it was like every day was a new minor league pitcher getting <laughs> getting a relief appearance, yeah, and then they'd send them down right away. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was just Buck saying, "Hey Dan, look, this guy's not working. This guy's not working. You got to go out and find me someone." Right. So let's go down that road. Let's talk about trades cool. because it is now July twelfth. The trade deadline is eighteen, nineteen days away. It's the end of the month, so everyone's going to start talking about trades. And right now, we don't have Oriole games to talk about, so let's talk about trades in the same type of uh, roundtable discussion. I asked you guys ahead of time to present me with a trade that you think the Orioles should do that we can discuss. So who would like to offer theirs up? You first? can start. I have to look one thing up real quick. Okay. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit different than I think most people would go with a trade because, I mean... Uh, if you if you go by the pulse on Twitter and stuff like that, everybody wants to get Sonny Gray and not pay anything for him. But the fact is, the Orioles farm system is really depleted, um, and we can't really be getting rid of good players because the more we get rid of them, the more we're like feeling the burn back when Zach Davies pitches seven scoreless innings or something like that. So I have been looking a lot at Tyler Chatworth, Chatwood of the Colorado Rockies, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant solo home run. Um, he is having a phenomenal season with the Rockies, 3.29 ERA, and that's total. And if you consider the fact that he's on the road, which is more akin to what you would be dealing with if he was pitching everywhere, 1.3 ERA, 5-0, and you know, just a great... That's a on great, the road? Yeah, on the road. Wow. Um and which, five, which is, which five is where three, the Orioles have been struggling big time is on the road. Five three ERA at home at Coors Field, which is almost commendable in a way. Yeah. But I mean, I I think that a pitcher like this who who's going to be it's an expiring contract. It's two million dollars. If you pitched a player that the Rockies could use for the next couple seasons, uh, since they're they don't really have a viable chance of making a wild card game at this point. Send them the Christian Walker type. Send them somebody who could be a very productive player with them for a couple of years. Take Chatwood, which they signed for nothing, and he's just sort of been a roster filler. 
But I mean, he's been incredibly productive for them despite what they I mean like you know it's the the trumbo effect you 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 bring somebody in because you think they're going to be a decent bat you never expect them to turn out like this Chatwood is having an incredible season out of nowhere and I think it's a great opportunity for the Orioles especially with people like Walker who have no viable opportunity to play in the big leagues with Chris Davis on a seven-year contract I mean you can make the same argument about Trey Mancini but I just don't want to give up on him yet because the 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 bat is so good that i feel like they're going to try and find a way to put him in there but somebody like christian walker could play in colorado and it's not even necessarily about tyler chatwood specifically because there's a whole bunch of pitchers who you can make that argument of christian walker plus a couple supplemental low a players uh, you could get Andrew Kashner right now. He's on an expiring deal. Um, his actual numbers, the, the average velocity, uh, BABIP, everything like that is has sort of been exactly where it should be. He's just playing on a horrible team that is giving him up. And if uh, Kashner came to the Orioles with our defense, or at least the potential of our defense, uh, I, I think that, that those types of players that you could trade for you know, things you're not going to be using could yield a responsible five, six inning pitcher for the rest of the season, which is all we really need. We need just somebody to basically give quality starts. Six innings, three runs. If you do that, I'm feeling confident about our chances almost every single night. Yeah, and I think I think I'm a, once we'll, we'll hear from Ryan in a minute, but I'm assuming that's the route we're all going to go is we need pitchers. We don't need the top tier pitchers. Because we're the worst pitching staff in baseball, or we're starting rotation in baseball. We've got a good bullpen. So if we can get some guys that can give decent starts all season, I've been saying all we need are average starts, and we'll win the game. So, Ryan, where are you going? Yeah, um, I'm going with starting pitching as well. Uh, <laughs> in my, my research today, I was I was looking at some numbers, and uh, the Orioles are, like you mentioned, 28th in starter ERA. The only two teams worse than us are the – I think it's the Reds and the Twins who are both in last place. Um, F WAR, which is the Fangraphs calculation of, of wins above replacement, uh, the Orioles are 23rd the starting rotation in baseball. And uh, the other five division leaders right now, the Rangers are 20th, and the other four are three through six respectively. So obviously, starting pitching is where we need to upgrade. And one guy I was looking at who I I haven't heard thrown around at all but I think could be an interesting candidate. Um, it's it's not Bud Norris. I wrote an article, a, a hot take article a couple weeks ago was that uh, the Orioles should consider a Bud, a Bud Norris. Yeah, Burke's not here. He was all for that. Yeah, most people were not, um, but he's he's doing all right. He, was, he ended up trading to the Dodgers. But uh, my guy is Matt Shoemaker, and he's a guy who's given the Orioles grief over the last couple years. Uh, there was a start earlier this year. He had been struggling all year, and he pitched, I think, eight shutout innings or one run and struck out 11 of us and kind of sent our offense into a downward spiral. I think that was going into Houston. And, you know, we, we set a record for strikeouts in that series. But Shoemaker is a guy with, with an Angels team that is really struggling with their rebuilding process. They don't have a good farm system. They don't have a good big league team. They have Mike Trout, yeah, they've Andrelton got the, Simmons, and They've got it. the best player in baseball, and they can't put a winning team around him. Right. So they're a team that needs to look to rebuild, and they, they don't have a very good farm system either. It's kind of similar to the Orioles in the sense that, you know, there are a handful of guys who are decent prospects, but they don't have a, you know, 
they don't have that one guy coming up through the system that everyone's anticipating. So the Angels um, are a team I'm looking at. Shoemaker, I, to be honest, I don't fully understand arbitration and the, the contract situation that that entails, but Shoemaker is arbitration eligible through 2020, but he's making under a million dollars. He would be, I guess, a rental, and we would have the opportunity to offer him arbitration. Yeah, with arbitration. That, yeah. Yeah. Which means you'll still be getting him years down the road cheaper than he's actually worth. Right, and he's he's 29 years old, so he's not somebody I, I, I can't put myself in the angel's shoes and say. But he's you know, not a young guy. Right. 29, they, they've seen what he can do. He's not the kind of guy that that type of team wants to build around. They're looking more along the lines of you know Hector Santiago as their ace for the next few years. Um, but at, at first base, they don't really have anybody. They've got G-Man Choi who I, I guess is okay, but not that great. Pools is on his last leg. Uh, so they're a team that could see a guy like Christian Walker appealing. And they also don't have much in uh, – I, I, I looked at their top 30 prospects, according to MLB.com, not a single first baseman. So someone like Christian Walker or Trey Mancini could be very appealing, very appealing to them, as could someone like Chance Sisko. Uh, their top kind of de facto top prospect is Taylor Ward, who is a catcher. But as I mentioned, Cisco's a guy you can plug into other positions and try to try him out elsewhere. Right. So I, I think the Angels, as a team looking to rebuild, would be willing to part with you know someone like Shoemaker, who's 29. He would help the Orioles' rotation this year. He would help us you know get over the hump, hopefully, to a World Series. And you know I don't think it would take much because of the fact that they're so in such desperate need to rebuild. Although I do think that um, Shoemaker's the type of name that I feel like will be thrown around before the deadline. So I think if the Orioles want to get him for a reasonable price, they should act sooner rather than later. Because if we can do a, get into a bidding war with another team, we're not going to win. We don't have the depth to win a bidding war with a team like the Red Sox. When, when has Dan Duquette ever acted sooner <laughs> than later? He seems to be not a guy that likes to wait. Except that. for Trumbo. He jumped a little early on Trumbo. He did. And that, that worked out for him. So maybe, maybe he'll jump again. Just yeah, as one we'll other see. thing, since we brought up arbitration, uh, I, I was looking at another name that I, I found interesting. Uh, Junior Guerra of the Milwaukee Brewers. He is having a very good season, uh, and he is technically a rookie at age 32 right now. Um, I think that he serves as a interesting type of uh, trade opportunity for the Orioles, who they can they can sort of get him on the high and. Uh, just sort of let him plug away for a couple more years, and he wouldn't probably cost as much as a frontline starting pitcher who's doing the same sort of numbers because he's so much older as a rookie and stuff like that. Right. So, I mean, being able to uh, – the the glory of somebody like him is you'd be able to get him on the rookie deal and keep him for six years if you wanted to and just get rid of him whenever Hunter Harvey or – uh, Dylan Bundy are in the rotation. Those, those Cody Sherlock, all those kind of guys. Like as, as soon as the, there isn't room for him, you can kick him out. But he would serve as a, a good, reliable source of innings, hopefully for the next couple of years while we're trying to get to that point. As Machado pops out to Carlos Gonzalez, who is someone the Orioles really wanted to. Well, Orioles fans really wanted to make a run for this offseason. Well, we just wanted any any outfielder yeah. this offseason. I'm glad we ended up with Trumbo. So you guys both went the same path. You went the the logical path of let's find a team that sucks and let's send them our draft picks or not draft picks. Let's send them some guys with potential. And that that's the route I went. And then I started crossing names out because I realized I don't believe anyone wants our farm system. I think, yeah, there's Chancisco. I don't think anyone wants Christian Walker. 
because we've tried him in the majors. He didn't work out. We're now trying him in different positions to see if he can work out and get it back to the majors. Um, we've been trying him out in the outfield where we need guys in the outfield, and he hasn't been able to make his way up. So I went a different route. I said, what do we have major league ready that we can trade? And I said, Matt Wieters. Because we're not going to re-sign Matt Wieters. I, I won't believe you if you sit here and try to tell me that we're going to re-sign him this offseason. I think that's, that's uh, a bat we give up. And we go with the defensive catcher because you don't have to have sluggers in every position. So now you're going to give Matt Wieters to someone as a rental, of course, because his contract's up at the end of this year, which means you've got to trade him to a winning team. So I then looked for a winning team that needs a catcher who has pitching. And have you looked at the Cleveland Indians? The Cleveland Indians are currently 52 and 36. They're playing great baseball. Their catcher is John Gomes. Do you know how good of a season John Gomes is having? Isn't he hitting like 182? He's at 166. Oh my god. He goodness. is one of the worst. <laughs> he has had 254 plate appearances. So it's no fluke. Yeah. He has admitted he, this is the worst uh, year he's ever had as a professional. And Cleveland fans are going nuts with saying, get rid of this guy. Bring up a guy from AAA. So I'm saying Matt Wieters could fit behind the plate right there in Cleveland. Ballpark's very similar to Camden Yards. I know they, they say people question catchers and if they can adapt to a new situation and new pitchers and get to know the pitchers. I think that we've seen enough with when Matt Wieters went down, we all thought we'd take a step back with Caleb Joseph, and somehow he knew everything and was perfectly fine with our pitchers. Uh, and turned out, in some ways, I think he's a little better with our pitchers than Matt Wieters. So you can send Matt Wieters to Cleveland. And I looked at their – they got a lot of young pitchers. They do. And they have the young pitchers still in the farm system. So we could take an old guy and bring him out. So they've got this guy, Josh Tomlin. He's having a great season, 9-2, and two, 351 ERA. He's like 31 years old. They extended him in January for another two years. So you get the guy for two years. So you're going to have to give more than Matt Wieters. But I think Matt Wieters could be a starting point because Cleveland needs some offense out of that catcher position. That's, that's not a bad idea. And that's um, you mentioned trading major league talent because of the fact that we don't have a farm system. And uh, when I suggested, I wrote an article suggesting that the Orioles shop Mark Trumbo around. Um, but then you're in that same position where, because you know, Trumbo's another guy we're likely not going to re-sign after right. this year. And then you're in a position where you need to find a team that has pitching, that is contending, that has pitching to spare, right. and needs a bat like Trumbo in their lineup. Right, but, right. but the difference being, Trumbo, you're trying to fill in a DH slot. Exactly. So yeah. I, I think with Matt Wieters, you can, he's a catcher. You, uh, yeah, you I hadn't considered Wieters. That's, that's not a bad idea at all. Um, but I, I got killed when I suggested of we trade Well, Trumbo. yeah, because trading Trumbo is ridiculous. Because regardless of his home runs, you take away the home runs, he is on base constantly. Yeah. He is he is a guy that you want in this lineup. And he's not a guy. I would be a little distraught if they traded Trumbo. Yeah. Or Weeders. I'm like, I kind of started to move myself away mentally from Weeders last season. Yeah. Even Caleb Joseph's having a horrible season at the plate. Yeah, that's that's why I'm kind of torn so because as valuable as Weeders could be in trade discussions, the there's a, although there's a slight upgrade from Weeders to Joseph, I think the downgrade on offense is is drastic. Sure, sure, but I think uh, even 
Pena did pretty good when yeah. we saw him for two or three games. Yeah. So I think that those are your guys for next year. And I think there's so much offense in this team right now yeah, that you can take a little step back. Absolutely. They're, they're definitely a team that, that would be just fine without one of the bats that they have right. in the lineup. And wouldn't you give up 20 home runs for a starting pitcher? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially on this team where you know the only two starting pitchers with ERAs under five are Tillman right. and Gosman. So, so the obvious pitchers that are going out right now and that people are talking about are Sonny Gray, uh, Rich Hill, Urban Santana, do you think the Orioles have, there's all rumors, there's all talk of, oh, there were Orioles scouts at the game. Or do the Orioles have any chance of getting any of those guys? Sonny Gray, no. There, I, I can't even put together a trade that I think the Athletics would take for Sonny Gray. And Unless that, it included, like, Jonathan Scope. or Manny Well, I mean, Scope would have to be involved for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, like, I don't even think we have enough talent beyond Scope to necessarily put together. I mean, because we're not... You know, Machado would be like a non-starter, right? Um, and you know, it, even with people like Rich Hill and stuff like this, you you still there is no starting pitching out there at all, like anywhere. And this off season is cataclysmically bad. Like it's really, it's re- I mean, Strasburg actually did himself a favor by signing early and getting away from the market a little bit because it, it would have been if he got hurt like that would have just been it for I mean like he, he would never have value again he, he needed to cash in before even though he could have probably gotten you know a David Price like deal on the open market I just I, I I think that I don't want to trade for somebody like Rich Hill because I don't really think he's that great um, and I don't want to give up the outrageous haul that it would take to get somebody like him Mm. I'd rather I'd rather uh, sort of pitch to a non-contending team like, hey, we'll take this guy who you're not going to be signing to a qualifying offer in the offseason. We'll give you some helpful prospects who you can control for the next couple of years. And I mean, that's the I don't I don't think there's a starting pitcher out there who, who really fits the Orioles modus operandi right now i mean it's just it's there's there's nobody who who we can put a package together for really and that and that's exactly what i kept running into is i was talking to Corey before the show and i had in there uh originally when i typed up the notes i said let's go after bartolo Colon. he's old he's in his last year but he's having a good season we could get and the mets have so many young pitchers and their season's pretty much screwed by injury that maybe you can pull him out i mentioned matt moore of the rays Again, team that's having bad bad season has a pitcher who's not top tier, but w- better than what we've got. But again, these packages, and what I keep running into with these packages is, do you think the Orioles can trade any get anything? That's that's where it's tough because I, I go back to the the thing that I mentioned a few minutes ago, where if we get into a bidding war with somebody, we're going to lose. We can't our our farm system can't keep up with the vast majority of other teams who right. are looking to to contend this year sure. and trade for the same guys we're going to be interested in. A, f- a few years ago, we traded for Andrew Miller. He made a huge impact that season. Uh, even as that little rental, he made a huge impact in pushing us into those playoff games. I just had a thought, uh, and you know, feel free to call me crazy here, but uh, the only other way I could see us getting a uh, – a name, so to speak, is if we're taking a lot of money off of somebody's hands, um, which 
Probably, Where, where's that money yeah, coming I know, from? It's, I, I know it's probably I know. not going to happen, but I'm saying like the Masson deal. We keep winning more and more Masson money, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, and for lack of a better example, a pitcher like CC Sabathia, who has a lot of money left on a on a deal, but not that many years left, is pitching. I mean, if we had a, a player like Sabathia in the five spot or just filling up the rotation, just eating up innings, and we took money on the back end or took money off the contract, then we could give a lesser prospect if we're clearing the books a little bit. I will never support not, any move for CC Sabathia. I wasn't saying that we should. I'm just saying, <laughs> no. you know, that, that type of there, – there are pitchers out there who have uh, regrettable contracts that the Orioles can come in and kind of – you know, like if if we accept enough of the money uh, away, then we can not have to give up the prospect in order to get them. There's there, there's been talks that the the Diamondbacks have have I, I don't know how true these are, but that they're looking at Zach Greinke already. They signed him this off season. Well, that was already a bust. thinking about getting rid of him. Yeah, but you know, with the seven year, two hundred ten million dollar contract, you're not going to find a lot of teams that are interested. Yeah, but they're going right. They're going to have to eat some of that. Right, but I'm saying if the Orioles, they wouldn't have a, a, even an offer to put up for somebody like Granky. But I mean, if they ate a significant amount of the contract and gave up top three prospects, you know, it, it would be at least a conversation. You would get a lot more value for it if you're allowed if you're allowing yourself to eat money, which is something to consider as well. Sure, I think yeah. My my prediction is the Orioles are gonna. Make no trades, and we'll still have Duquette out there saying, "Well, we're getting a start. We got a starting pitcher, and we've we've got a uh, new reliever because we've got a day back and Dylan Bundy in the rotation, mm-hmm. and that's the push." Which are both positives, and both those those things improve our team because if you get a day in the bullpen, you don't need to rely on Dylan Bundy in the bullpen. Then you get Dylan Bundy in the rotation. In theory. He pitches the way he's been pitching, and that's an improvement to our rotation. Can we talk a little bit about Bundy as a starter? Yeah, definitely. I- I'm I'm kind of torn on it because with how bad our his pitching his last out, and he threw like 56, 57 pitches. Yeah, it was was his highest uh, pitch count total. Yeah, we're we're working on stretching him out, and he's looked really good recently. the The only concern I have is, you know, this guy's been not necessarily out of baseball, but you know, in and out for the most part for four years you know he, he made his major league debut in 2012 and it wasn't until this year that he got his first career strikeout in the big leagues so he's a guy that you know we've made clear we're trying to stretch out trying to make him a starter down the line I my only concern is is it too soon for that but like I don't know I, I I'm torn because on one hand I would love to see him start I think he could help the team this year he could be that you know the third guy in the rotation behind Tillman and Gosman. And in the postseason, you really only need three, maybe four good starting pitchers to help you, you know, because you're not going to be going through your whole five in a, you know, seven-game series. But my concern is how much are we going to regret it if we overwork Bundy this year and he gets himself hurt again? And uh, my argument for that would be we never expected Dylan Bundy to be a bullpen guy. We drafted him. We've been developing him as a starter the window's running out on this team to win it all. Duquette is totally playing this to win a World Series before his contract's up in 2018. Right now, we have a nice window where somehow, even with the worst starting pitching in baseball, somehow we're here at the trade deadline 
well above 500 and in first place. So this is the, the, the season to win is this season. You don't want to say, well, let's save him for maybe next year. We saw that with Strasburg a few years ago when the Nationals got to the playoffs and they benched Strasburg because they had this whole timeline and that didn't work. The Nats didn't go to the playoffs or they went to the playoffs, but they lost. It, they still haven't gotten to the World Series even with that. Strasburg's pitching great, but there's no way to tell. There's not enough research even out there on on uh, Tommy John to even know the best way to recover from it. Counterpoint, though. I mean, Dylan Bundy is not the full Dylan Bundy right now, even still. I mean, like, the, forget the starter schedule or anything like that. He's not throwing all the pitches he was before. He is not throwing the cutter. Yeah. Because I mean, something about that movement uh, causes a little bit of pain. Yeah, and, I mean, if if we're at a point where we're talking about cutting out one of his pitches – to sort of like keep him healthy, I, I I don't know if I really want to just go like you know just do it, Dylan. A hundred pitches, it'll be fine. Like I I he's 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 an asset for the next couple years, and you know I I think he's one of those guys that we just kind of have to treat with kid gloves for the betterment of the future. And that's that's the way I look at it because at what point do you um you know to make that push for a World Series this year at what point do you jeopardize a young pitcher's future because he's already had one Tommy John surgery he's had shoulder issues if something were to happen I mean and like you said there's no way to know if he's fully ready yet see the argument you should have brought up was Matt Harvey <laughs> who had Tommy John came back real quick he got injured this yeah a few weeks ago mm-hmm. I, I would also say that we're uh, I, I'm I'm so worried about any pitcher who's a prospect, and maybe it's just because of the, the, the 14 years of agony where, you know, like every single year it was like, Adam Lowen's going to clear. He's going to be oh, great. Adam like, or any number of these of these pitchers who, like, we were we were told, you know, like Calvary's coming. That was the, the constant refrain, Calvary's coming. Yeah, the yeah. Calvary never, never made it up the hill. Yeah, no. but, I mean, we had opportunities to send out a whole bunch of these pitchers for, you know, trades that could have helped us a little bit, you know, like building the team back up. And it was finally when we got rid of Bedard that this whole thing started turning itself around. Um, I, I just, I, I think Bundy has been good, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, if pitching Bundy into the ground would guarantee us a world series this year, I'd say do it, but I'm, I'm not, I can't because nobody can make that guarantee. I don't feel yeah, if you safe tell me Trey Machado gets us a World Series. See you later. <laughs> yeah. If, 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 if you, we already know that uh, that other side, it's who cares? I'll give up whatever. But I think the argument. I get it. You don't. You're saying don't put him in starting because you don't want him to throw him a hundred pitches. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if you we got Dylan Bundy, he just threw fifty some pitches. If he can start a game and go seventy pitches, by that time, if he's pitching well in that game. At 70 pitches, you can then put in uh, Givens, Brock, O'Day, and uh, uh, Britton. Yeah. And, you, and you're out of the game with a win. And that's so you don't need 100 pitches. You just need a guy to get us five innings. And you can do that under 70 if you're good. Yeah, <laughs> and that's certainly easier to do you know, in a shorter time frame. You, know, you, you don't start Bundy till say, September. And you can, you can get away with that for a month. If we were to you know, do that at the beginning of the year, for example, and have a guy, you know, you, you this has always been our problem. Pitchers don't go deep into ball games. You're gonna wear out your bullpen by the All Star break, right. and which, we, which is what we've done. Yeah, so you know you, you got to hope that these guys, their that their arms aren't dead by September. Um, and 
if that's the case, you know, they might start to struggle a little bit. And at that point, you have Bundy for 70 pitches. He goes five innings. You've got, you know, a, a not fully healthy Brad Brock and then a not fully healthy Michael Givens and all that. Well, and and the hope is that you then have Tillman and Gosman who yeah. are going deeper so you don't need the bullpen on those days. Right. And a couple years ago, the the some, uh, the manager of the Rockies had, had pitched the idea that he was going to do like a four-man rotation with piggybacks. And do you remember that? Duquette mentioned piggyback in this past week as well. I mean, it, it's a, at least an option, I think, that you have to consider. If you can get Bundy to start a game and go four, and then you get Worley to come in and pitch or, three, or and then... Tyler Wilson and yeah. Zachy, uh, not Zachy Davis, uh, uh, what's the... What's uh, Tyler Wilson, the other pitcher? Mike Wright. Mike, Mike Wright. Wright. Yeah, that those two guys. If you can, you can. Those guys, you're grooming to be starters. Yeah. So you piggyback them with Dylan Bundy. Uh, that could get you some wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, okay, I'm okay with the piggyback as long as it's not Ubaldo starting. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did that the other day, and it, it only lasted an inning and a third. Exactly. And, I, and I don't think any pitcher will will. I don't think Buck will come out and announce. All right, I'm piggybacking today. The uh, Bundy will get four in it, three innings, and Wright's going to get three. I think what he'll do instead is he'll have a guy like Wright in the bullpen waiting and knowing, like he does for every game, knowing if Jimenez craps the bed this this game, this is my long man guy. But, I mean, I think it would actually be beneficial for uh, a player like Wright or Tyler Wilson if you told them, like, hey, Bundy's starting today, but as soon as he hits 70-ish penny – any uh, pitches, we're taking him out. So uh, yes. you are our de facto second starter. Yes. So I'm, be ready. Like as soon as he gets to fifty pitches or so, start going through your starter routine. Start right. getting getting loose. Get ready to come in the game like you're starting the starting the game with. I don't know anything, but I like to think that that the bullpen kind of knows that, and yeah. they know who would be due up so they know when to start stretching it or that the at least the coach is keeping them in line in there on and who to who to start stretching. But that's I'm not asking Bunny to pitch nine innings and get me a complete game every time. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I like Dylan Bundy. He could really help out this rotation. Yeah. And when I don't see us getting any moves, getting any players, bringing anyone in new, there's no one in the farm system to bring up. This is the Calvary. Yeah. Whatever you call it, this is who we've got. And, and and how can you rearrange the guys that we have that throw the ball for the best options? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one other thing with Dylan Bundy that I've, I've been thinking about a little bit is uh, do, do you foresee that there might be uh, a uh, uh, stepping in a pothole in the parking lot kind of situation where he goes on the DL for two weeks and comes back after – being on a starter schedule a little bit and pitches as a starter for the end of the uh, end of the season. No, because I mean he can't be sent down just because. But I mean, like he can go on a DL stint and stretch himself out a little bit more. No, I think it's funny to think about the Orioles playing those game pothole games. I don't think they really do it in real life. I think that I also think that they've been preparing Dylan Bundy all season to be a starter, and I think. It was very, I think the fact that we saw him pitch 60-some innings, 60 pitches, 50 pitches, whatever, this last outing, was because he was prepared that that week, if he if they didn't need him until Friday, he might have started that game instead of Jimenez. But they needed him beforehand, right. and, they, and they let him go deeper because he was pitching well, and they had it mentally prepared that he could make that step to starter. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. It's nice of the Royals to want the O's to have home field advantage this year. <laughs> Hosmer and Sal Perez both went deep this year. Yeah, because we all know the Royals aren't going back. Nope. All right, uh, let's do a little ball bag, but I want to do something a little different this time. You're just a ball bag, ball bag, ball bag, a ball bag, my friend. Hey, ball bag. How you doing? What's your name again? It's ball bag. All right, ball bag is normally where I have a bunch of different questions related to Orioles, Ravens, baseball in general. In fact, I had a bunch in here that we're not going to use, and they've been the same questions for the past two weeks because they're great, just generic midseason uh, questions. But instead, you guys got to—you both have a lot, do a lot of stuff. So I want to ask you guys about what you guys are doing and let you give you a chance to promote your podcast, your write-in, your m- movies. But first, one generic ball bag question. Do you like or dislike this year's uh, all-star uniforms and hats? Because I've been trying to take a poll online with the Oriole Padres looking from the 80s hat. And what, what's your guys' take on it? I, I like how they do the logo. I like the gold outline around the logo. I hate the, the brim. Like, I, I don't imagine I would ever buy or wear this hat like as like a everyday type of thing. But... Uh, I I do I dig the stars and I dig the I dig the gold outline, but uh, not well, much else. That that it just looks like a. You know, I didn't even notice that they're wearing a different hat during the game than they've been wearing all week. So I was thinking more of the hat they've been wearing for the home run oh, derby oh, and everything that, else. Yeah, but this one as well is kind of the gold outline. Feels like you get that gold outline if you win a World Series, right? Yeah. Not, not for the All Star game. Yeah, I'm. I'm personally not a fan of anything they've worn this weekend or this week. <laughs> I think the uh the the home run derby jerseys look like rotted mustard. <laughs> and uh I don't I just I'm just not a fan of that the yellow and brown color scheme. I just I don't think it looks good. Oh yeah, yeah. no no to that one. And and the funny thing is I always hate any of these alternative hats. Mm-hmm. Um Except that the most recent hat I bought is like from two years ago, which yeah. is the All Star hat, because I did like that one. Mm-hmm. I so. I have a a great hat that I wear for road games, which is uh, the uh, outline of the Maryland uh, state of Maryland with the star over Baltimore, and then the O's Goofy Bird logo on it. And I I love that hat. That's I think a that's one. a. I thought the Fourth of July hats this year were pretty bad. I didn't like. Them. I don't I, like Father's Day. I don't like. Uh, yeah. Mother's Day, Fourth of July, Memorial Day, yeah. any of those. I, they're, they're usually not very well put together. I don't understand the people who necessarily like them either because I never see one of these hats and go like, oh, man, I got to go to Lids and get that. Like, right. I, right. I, <laughs> like I literally bought this all-star hat only because I was shocked how much it matched my tattoo, <laughs> oh, nice. which I've had for many years yeah. with the stripe. And that's well, and that a, tattoo's not going anywhere, so. No. Um, but I am amazed when I go to, like, baseball games. The, the, the jersey I see all the time is the Chris Davis uh, all-star jersey in the Mets colors when I was in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in the orange and blue. And I don't understand why you would ever spend money on that jersey and not just get an Oriole jersey. I actually have one of those, but I got it signed because I thought it was too ugly to wear. All right, well, I can take that. If you're if it's on sign, hang, hung up, I can take that, but mm-hmm. not wear it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I... I Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I, 
if the Orioles win a World Series, I'm totally buying like one of those Orioles like gold outline World Series jerseys. Oh, sure. definitely. Sure. That, I mean, sure. Don't but... we all have uh, Super Bowl Raven jerseys? Oh yeah. I yeah. mean that that was the time to go buy a jersey was to get the little patch. Exactly. So mm-hmm. all right. So uh Corey, you've got all types of things going on. You're yeah. you've got this uh Heretics, if I'm saying it right, mm-hmm. movie thing going on that I keep seeing you post about. You've got the Oh the Anthem podcast. And you've just got a bunch of stuff, so why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, well, we got the the o, the Anthem podcast, which is uh, weekly on Tuesdays. It's me and my partner Rob. Uh, we sort of talk about whatever's in the news. We'd like to try and keep it uh, somewhat Baltimore centric, at least for one topic every week. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm glad. I, I, we, we just like to have fun. We, we've been friends for the last 14 years, so. Uh, we just have a good rapport and we like to, to crack wise and, uh, heretics is our web series that we just started, uh, this summer, which is, uh, instead of traditional religious figures, it's superheroes. So instead of Catholicism, it's the church of Batman. Uh, and we put, uh, non-offensive situations together where, you know, it, it would be religious based, but not, uh, you would be talking about Batman or Superman or Aquaman or whoever. Uh, little five-minute episodes, and we release them every two weeks, and a new one is coming out this Friday, which means I'm going to be up till like 4 or 5 a.m. tonight editing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I've taken from listening to Oh, the Anthem is uh, lately there's lots of politics to talk about, so I've just taken away that you guys don't like government on either side and seem to uh, be able to complain no matter what's going on. Well, I mean, the the thing is that Rob's a lawyer, and uh, I I just don't like anything. So we yeah, Robert, we get we get from a good position of where he he's like like this is all corrupt and it's terrible, and I'm just like I just don't like him. Yeah, he was really angry about a building being torn down. That was me. Oh, was that you? All right. Yeah. Oh, all right. oh man. <laughs> all right. I knew it was one of you. I thought it was Rob. I I'm so. Uh, I, I, you really I don't want that that theater torn down. No, because I mean, number one, they should have spent some money on like fixing it at some point in the last thirty years. But I mean, I guess I shouldn't complain about them letting a building rot when we don't have like working schools. But that's for our show, not for this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and Ryan, so you write for Utah Street. Yeah, you have your backward K podcast that's coming back, and you, every time I see you, you're partnering with a new baseball site. Yeah, so what are you doing right now? I've I've been around a little bit in that regard. Um, my my big thing right now is is the Backward K podcast. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show we just joined BaseballFam.com, dot uh, com, which is a really cool website. They you know they get Shane Sullivan is the the creator and founder of the whole brand, and he's done a great job growing over the last you know four or five years. Whenever he started his Twitter account and just kind of grew from there, uh, and he gets you know he gets good traffic to his website. He's got you know over a hundred thousand Twitter followers. So it's a good outlet for us, I think, to to get out there. And um I've I'd been writing about baseball for a while. I started um I was approached with an opportunity to write for Utah Street Report um before the twenty thirteen season. And uh I started with that. This year I'm doing a hot take series for them. So it hasn't been every Tuesday, but um I, I've been coming up with it's supposed to be an unpopular opinion and it's it's been fun because I get a lot of a lot of feedback, uh most of it negative because you know, it's supposed to be an opinion that most people will disagree with. Uh, I've gotten some good comments. I've gotten, uh, we should trade this this writer for a pitcher. I've gotten this entire article was so bad I couldn't even finish reading it. 
Well, that, that, uh, that's because you're looking at internet comments. Yeah, exactly. I should I should never look at the comments. But uh, no, yeah, so I've been I've been doing that for Utah Street Report. Uh, I'm doing a little bit of writing for Baseball Fam. I still write for BaseballEssential.com a little bit. Uh, that's where we originally had the Backward K podcast, but we moved it over to uh, to Baseball Fam to get you know, a little bit of a bigger audience. Uh, so that's that's about all I'm up to right now in terms of you know the the sports media world. Don't worry, we moved our podcast all around with different uh, websites over the past first two years, and uh, only got a little bit of crap about it. <laughs> I only burned a few bridges. Yeah, but uh, that's great. Plus, how many Twitter accounts do you have? I believe you have about thirty-five. I have uh, I have access to I think six, but I I only really use three. I use the backward K Twitter account. I use my personal, and then I run the Orioles fan probs account. Which I don't know why I did it with a Z. That was something that seventeen-year-old Ryan thought was a good idea. <laughs> um, but that's a lot of fun. I've I've grown with that and and built a little um, online reputation with that, and and fans seem to enjoy that account. So I'm gonna continue rolling with it. Um, I ha- I have access to the Section Three Three Six account, although I haven't used it much because yeah. I haven't been around too much. Yeah, we said, oh well, this guy can handle social media. He's got seventeen <laughs> Twitter and Instagram accounts. He can do ours, and he didn't do ours. I, I did for a couple of weeks. I posted a, a GIF that got retweeted a little bit. All right, and then right. I, I, I managed four accounts. I, I feel like I'm I'm like in the similar boat now. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I have my account and then the Section Three Thirty Six account, which doesn't get posted much because I have my own account. So mm-hmm. I can't handle uh, like four accounts like you guys. But let's check on the intern. How many accounts does he have over there? I have four. What are your four accounts, intern? Uh, mine, intern, uh, you know, section three thirty six, and then my senior week house that we made an account for. Okay. How many of those do you post on weekly? Zero. <laughs> well, I know that's true for the section three thirty six account. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, looked up Rich Hill just because you know I got I was interested. Yeah, he pitches for the Oakland A's. Yeah. Uh, it turns out he was nine and three this year with a two twenty five ERA and a one point oh nine WHIP, even though he's thirty six now. So yeah, he's having a huge year. Yeah, really good for an old guy. Yep. Uh, that's you guys were right with everything else. I was a little disappointed. I don't trust that Rich Hill at all. Like I don't either. It's gonna collapse like a house of cards. I don't Rich know. Rich Hill's gonna come to the Orioles and be another Scott Feldman, Jason Hamill. He's going to pitch like no, Rich Hill he, did when he was coming. with the Orioles. You guys know how this ends. Rich Hill beats us in the playoffs, and we all shake our head at Rich Hill beat us. Probably. That's how it goes. If I, Rich Hill gets traded to the Red Sox, that's what will happen. All right, thank you. the A's aren't going to the playoffs, I don't think. Well, I think we've gone uh, way over our time today. <laughs> I have no clue how long we've been going but it's It's 9.03 yeah I'm pretty sure we've been going over an hour even with the wait of to get Ryan here yeah my bad but it's alright I think we've had a good discussion some good trade talk and uh great all-star talk so thank you guys for joining us today thank you for having us we've gone over your guys stuff many times but let's go over it one more time you can follow Ryan at at Blake. that's R-Y-G-U-Y B-L-A-K-E uh, my podcast is at underscore backward K because some guy owns at backward K and I can't seem to get the handle well, from him. Why is there an OS? Why isn't it backwards K? Okay, that's a good question. Um, when we came up with the name for the podcast, uh, we didn't know which one was 
technically correct, and it turns out they're both correct. But according to whatever website I looked at, it's more popular in America to use it without the S, and backwards with the S is more popular in Great wow. Britain. Okay, so that would make sense. It. That's why I understand it. It's that international side of me. It's it's technically right either way. All right, all right. Well, follow backwards, K. <laughs> all right, Corey. Where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at LegendCB5 and uh, the podcast at Oh the Anthem. Uh, it's just like the national anthem. Just oh. So, yeah. <laughs> except you guys scream it at like political rallies and, <laughs> and very few sports games. I screamed it at Wrigley once. That was fun. There was a pretty I good. There was a pretty good O at the All Star game today. Was there? Yeah. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Mm. And the intern's way up on his mic. So let's go to him now while he's ready. Intern, where can they follow you? At WW Intern. You don't want to give out your personal account, the one you actually post on. I don't post on that. All right, all right. WW Intern. You should get out your senior week account. Throwback. <laughs> At 120th Street. There you go. All it's right. a good place to be for senior week. And you can follow Bert at Bert Rohde. He is camping with kids. I just haven't seen any pictures of kids yet, but apparently there are kids. And you can follow Matt, who has no social media for like another month and a half while he is in Africa. I can WhatsApp him a little bit. And so far, his only comment about the Orioles has been yikes. After that four-game uh, sweep in Seattle. So you can follow him at Section336. Follow the show at Section336show. And you can follow me at Josh Soroka. Uh, go on to Mother's this week and get your Trumbo shirts. Or if you're not near Mother's in Arnold, go on to Section336.com and get them. And that's it. So have a good week. See you guys. Section 336 is a affiliate of 24-7 Networks. Find Section 336 on utahstreetreport.com.